0: I'm Brett Carter. Thanks for choosing this KAXE-KBXE conversation. We are member-supported radio, a national public radio affiliate in northern Minnesota. We need your support for our radio broadcasts, our online content, and our podcasts. Become a member today at KAXE.org, and thanks for listening. You're listening to KAXE and KBXE's Youth in Radio on 91.7 in Grand Rapids, 90.5 in Bemidji, and all over the world at KAXE.org. My name is Brooke Hubbas, and I'm a freshman at Grand Rapids High School. Today I'm going to be talking about my interests involving literature, specifically horror. My intentions are to provide interest in thinking about fear. What are we afraid of? Why are we afraid? These questions challenge me to think, and I hope they do the same for you. Getting locked into a book and forgetting about everything else is so satisfying. A lot of people think that reading is boring, but when you find the right book, it can be more fun than you think. Horror literature is such a huge part of my life. I read at least 20 minutes every day because that gives me enough time each day to get locked into a section of my book. Stephen King is such an inspiration to me. Everything he writes is so detailed. I guess I want everyone listening to take something from this. Thinking about what your book really means, and reading the right one, makes reading more fun. Recently, I've been getting better at finding symbolism. An obvious example would be any horror monster symbolizing fear. But even the famous paper boat from It is a symbol. I've thought about how it symbolizes Georgie's innocence and love for childish fun. I'll probably be using more examples from It because this book is my favorite. I'm most familiar with it. Symbolism has only recently become easier to find because of my 9th grade advanced English class. We have read The Crucible and To Kill a Mockingbird. They have both helped me to recognize symbolism on my own. A teacher used to have to point it out for me, but I feel like I'm able to make those connections myself. My English teacher has really helped me, which is another reason why I like horror. There can be so many symbols. Every single monster or fear represents something in the person who's afraid of it. It just interests me to know there's more going on than you think. I like how the author can come up with so many different things. It really shows the dedication that's put into the book. Here is one of my favorite passages from the book It by Stephen King. Bill had taken the album from Richie and was now holding it on his own lap. He turned back through the pages, looking for Georgie's picture. He gave up for a minute, but the pages did not they turned themselves flipping slowly but steadily with big deliberate riffling sounds bill and richie looked at each other wide-eyed and then back down it arrived at that last picture again and the pages stopped turning here was down terry in sepia tomes the city as it had been long before either richie or bill had been born the boy in the sailor suit bill raised two fingers to the corners of his mouth and whistled stunned beyond any ability to move or think richie realized he could hear the whistle could hear the cars, irregular regular sewing machine engines. The sounds were faint, like sounds heard through thick glass, but they were there. They started to walk on, and then the Richie and Nickers grabbed Bill's arm and pointed toward the canal. They turned in that direction. No, Richie thought, don't do that, don't. They went to the low concrete wall, and suddenly the clown popped up over its edge like a horrible jack-in-the-box, a clown with Georgie Denbro's face, his hair slicked back, his mouth a hideous grin full of bleeding grease paint, his eyes black holes. One hand clutched three balloons on a string. With the other, he reached for the boy in the sailor suit and seized his neck. Stop it, Bill, Richie shouted and grabbed for him. He was almost too late. He saw the tips of Bill's fingers go through the surface of the photograph and into the other world. He saw the fingertips go from the warm pink of living flesh to the mummified cream color that passed for white in old photos. At the same time, they became small and disconnected. It was like the peculiar optical illusion one sees when one thrusts a hand into a glass bowl of water. The part of the hand underwater seems to be floating, disembodied, inches away from the part which is still out of the water. A series of diagonal cuts slashed across Bill's fingers at the point where they ceased being fingers and became photo fingers. It was as if he had struck his hand into the blades of a fan instead of into a picture. Richie seized his forearm and gave a tremendous yank. They both fell over. Georgie's album hit the floor and snapped itself shut with a dry clap. Bill stuck his fingers in his mouth. Tears of pain stood in his eyes. Richie could see blood running down his palm to his wrist in thin streams. Let me see, he said. It hurts, Bill said. He held his hand out to Richie, palm down. There were ladder-like slash cuts running up his index, second and third fingers. The pinky had barely touched the surface of the photograph, if it had a surface. And although that finger had not been cut, Bill told Richie later that the nail had been neatly clipped, as if with a pair of manicure scissors. Band-Aids. That was all he could think of. They had been lucky. If he hadn't pulled Bill's arm when he did, his fingers might have been amputated instead of just badly cut. We gotta fix those up. Your mother can- never mind my mother, Bill said. He grabbed the photo album again, spilling drops of blood on the floor. Don't open that again, Richie cried, grabbing frantically at Bill's shoulder. Billy, you almost lost your fingers. Bill shook him off. He flipped through the pages and there was a grim determination on his face that scared Richie more than anything else. His wounded fingers printed Georgie's album with new blood. It didn't look like ketchup yet, but when it had a little time to dry it would. Of course it would. And here was the downtown scene again. The Model T stood in the middle of the intersection. The other cars were frozen in the places where they had been before. The man walking toward the intersection held the brim of his fedora. His coat once more belled out in mid-flap. The two boys were gone. There were no boys in the picture anywhere. But, look, Richie whispered and pointed. He was careful to keep the tip of his finger well away from the picture. An arc showed just over the low concrete wall at the edge of the canal, the top of something round. Something like a balloon. Here Bill saw himself at three, propped up in a hospital bed with a turban of bandages covering his hair. Bandages went down his cheeks and under his fractured jaw. He had been struck by a car in the parking lot of the A&P on Center Street. He remembered very little of his hospital stay, only that they had given him ice cream milkshakes through a straw and his head had ached dreadfully for three days. Here was the whole family on the lawn of the house, Bill standing by his mother and holding her hand, and Georgie, only a baby, sleeping in Zach's arms. And here, it wasn't the end of the book, but it was the last page that mattered, because the following ones were all blank. The final picture was Georgie's school picture, taken in October of last year, less than 10 days before he died. In it, Georgie was wearing a neck shirt. His flyaway hair was slicked down with water. He was grinning, revealing two empty slots in which new teeth would never grow. Unless they keep on growing after you die, Bill thought and shuddered. He looked at the picture fixedly for some time and was about to close the book when what had happened in December happened again. Georgie's eyes rolled in the picture. They turned up to meet Bill's own. Georgie's artificial say-cheese smile turned into a horrid leer. His right eye jerked close in a wink. See you soon, Bill. In my closet. Maybe tonight. Bill threw the book across the room. He clapped his hands over his mouth. The book struck the wall and fell to the floor, open. The pages turned, although there was no draft. The book opened itself to that awful picture again. The picture which said, School Friends, 1957-58, beneath it blood began to flow from the picture. Bill sat frozen, his tongue a swelling, choking lump in his mouth, his skin crawling, his hair lifting. He wanted to scream, but the tiny whimpering sounds crawling out of his throat seemed to be the best he could manage. The blood flowed across the page and began to drip onto the floor. Bill fled the room, slamming the door behind him. I like this passage because I feel like it's filled with a lot of tension. While I was reading it, I could not keep my eyes off of the book. I just wanted to know what was going to happen and I felt like I was a part of the story. The next reason I'm so interested in horror is the reaction of fear. I'm interested in why people are afraid of certain things. I've never been a believer in ghosts and demons, so I don't get afraid of movies about anything supernatural. But I am terrified of slasher movies because I know those could be real. So I understand why people are afraid of Friday the 13th or Halloween. But books and movies like IT don't scare me. While I am afraid of clowns, this one is supernatural, so it's not scary to me. I guess I don't understand why people are afraid of stories like these. Unless you've had a supernatural experience. But even then, I don't know if those are real. I like listening to stories about people and their supernatural experiences. But until I experience one myself, I probably won't think they're real. I also like hearing about people who visit haunted places. However, I think that all of the adrenaline they build up is what scares them the most. I feel like they have confidence that something is going to happen, so they take normal things like a loud noise, and they tell themselves that it's supernatural. That's just a theory, though. I'm not saying that ghosts don't exist. I just find it hard to believe. Thinking about how people react to what they're afraid of makes reading and watching horror so much more interesting. Thank you for listening to my show. I hope you tune in to listen to more young area voices on KAXE and KBXE. This program is supported by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. My name is Brooke Hubbis, wishing you the best.